Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. to today's episode. If you ever go on social media or online in general, or maybe you talk to family members and they give you unsolicited nutrition advice and you leave either the platform that you were on or the party that you were at feeling confused, feeling a little bit upset about getting advice that you didn't ask for, or wondering if that expert that you just saw on Instagram is truly an expert or just trying to sell you something, Today's episode is for you. My guest is Dr. Adrian Chavez, and he's someone who has a very active account on Instagram talking about how to decipher myths from facts, how to understand if the information that you're seeing online is really relevant and important for you to follow. And today's conversation is all about that. We talked about why nutrition is not really an opinion, but a science, why you need to have your guard up when you're going on social media and what red flags to look for when you consume someone's information. And we also talked about Dr. Chavez's philosophy when it comes to nutrition and exercise and some of the very foundational things that he thinks everyone should be doing to get healthier. Dr. Chavez holds a PhD in nutrition and health promotion from Arizona State University, and he specializes in making nutrition science easier to understand and implement, while also calling out the misleading information that is so prevalent in the nutrition space. You can find most of his work and follow along with what he does by listening to his podcast, the Nutrition Science Podcast, or by following him on Instagram. And I'll link to both his podcast and the Instagram account in the show notes below. So let's go ahead and dive right in with Dr. Adrian Chavez. Hey, Dr. Chavez, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you today? I'm doing well, doing well. Yeah. Good. So I'm excited for this conversation because I've been, you know, we've been following each other online and I know a lot of what you talk about totally resonates with me and my audience and my philosophy. And today I wanted to talk about nutrition myths, how to decipher information that people see on social media, and just kind of give my listeners, our listeners, a little bit of reassurance that Nutrition is way simpler than probably most people make it. And Mm -hmm. I recently heard you either say, or I read on your page, you said nutrition is not an opinion. And I totally agree with that. Actually, let's start there. Can you talk a little bit about why you said that and elaborate on what you meant? Yeah, yeah. So nowadays, when you go online, when you're on social media, even when you're watching like popular media, if you're watching like Good Morning America or something like that, or your local news station, a lot of what you're being exposed to are people's opinions about nutrition. It's not professionals who have studied the topic. It's not anyone who's long practicing in the field. It's an MD who's giving medication and then decided they wanted to write a book on nutrition or a journalist or a biochemist or somebody else who doesn't have a long history of studying this topic. 
And most of what they're putting out, most of the information that they're putting out to other people and stating it as a fact is just their opinion. It's, you know, their own opinions, oftentimes built off of their own experiences. So there's so many diets out there that it's just the diet that worked for that person. There's a diet called the autoimmune protocol. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard of that. I've listened to the story of the person who wrote that book and it's just what worked for her. And there's not really strong science to back up removing all of those different foods for every individual with autoimmune disease. Autoimmune conditions are complex. They're highly variable. The different foods that one individual might respond to are going to be different than another. Yet there's someone who has a background in a science that's not nutrition who wrote a book on a topic and, and has caused a lot of people to go on this protocol. And I've spoken with a lot of them. I've worked with a lot of them. It doesn't do what they expect it to do in terms of you know, causing their autoimmune disease to go into remission. So one thing that I try to help people understand is that if you're getting nutrition information, you want it to be based in science and, and not based in what someone believes or what worked for them or, you know, what came from spirits, you know, any of these other things <laughs> yes. that, that kind of back up people use to back up the information that they're putting out. We have a lot of research and data on how to approach different health conditions with nutrition in an appropriate manner that's going to be lowest risk, highest reward, and a quality practitioner, which there are hundreds on social media, such as yourself. Oftentimes, followings aren't as big as these other people, but a quality practitioner can put that information together and help make the right decisions because most people end up falling into this protocol and this protocol and this diet because nothing works and you feel like nothing works because you're getting the wrong information. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sometimes it's how the information is presented that takes precedence over the content itself and the quality of the information. And that's really unfortunate because a lot of the content that even I come across online is really meant to grab attention first. Mm -hmm. And maybe down the line, it's going to help someone somewhere, but it's definitely not the gospel. It's definitely not something that is going to apply to everyone, but it's presented that way. It's presented yeah. in a way as if, like you said, like it's that person's opinion that's presented as a scientific fact. Mm -hmm. And that could be really confusing to people because yep. how can you tell? You know, and a lot of times when you see, I think the more quacky the information is and the person is, quite honestly, almost like the more passionate and fired up they get about it. <laughs> And so the real nutrition information that is evidence-based is often not sexy. Like there is really nothing about it sometimes that's attention grabbing. And I think that's where we as practitioners have to like really think, well, can we make this a little bit more exciting? But truth is that, you know, a lot of that stuff is not new. And people are looking for the new stuff. They're looking for the exciting stuff. And they're looking for the stuff that's going to be like, oh, my God, that made me stop scroll. It must be true. Yep. And a lot of times 
these individuals, a lot of the bigger accounts, it's a marketing agency that's doing this. It's not even the person. It's not, you know, their wisdom. It's an agency who's paid to just put out extreme messages because on social media and all all over, I mean, this is just, this is marketing. Like this is, you know, the psychology of human, you know, responses to marketing. We, we respond to messages that are extreme. We respond to messages that are negative. We respond to messages that are, that provide a black and white picture that say it's this or that. We respond more to messages that tell us it's not our fault and it's somebody else. It's the government's fault or it's the doctor's fault or it's the pharmaceutical company's fault. Those types of messages are are the types of messages that we just respond to better. Like it just psychologically, if you're scrolling and you're not actively looking for what you're trying to find on your social media account, you're just mindlessly scrolling, which is what most of us do. (laughs) The thing that that puts those elements into place, that, that puts the fear and the negativity and, and the saying it's not your fault and blaming the government and, if you put that into your content, it's going to, it's going to do better, period. Like you are going to get that in front of more people. And if all you care about is getting people's attention, you put out that content nonstop and that's going to help you to grow a business and sell supplements or books or whatever the case may be behind that social media account, because you're putting out these viral messages, that scare people. And then you make money off that and put a team in place to do more of it. It's unfortunate because this is just preying on the average consumer and the things that we respond to and then selling people things that they just don't, greens powders and all sorts of things that like people just don't need, they don't need. Most people aren't eating fruits and vegetables. Like you need to start there, but nobody's getting a coupon code for broccoli. Like I, I don't, right. I don't get a commission when my, when the people who follow me eat more broccoli. So, so yeah. it doesn't lend to being able to make money off this and then turn it, turn it into a machine essentially is what, what a lot of these influencers do is they get your attention, they sell a product and they turn it into a marketing machine that fuels off of these messages and it's it's just so unfortunate. Like you said, the education doesn't do well on social media. And it took me a long time to like come to terms with that because I was like constantly trying to put out like these deep educational videos. Right. And I'm like, this isn't working here. <laughs> like it just doesn't work on that platform. And so I've tried to shift my messaging a little bit so that I can still grow my account, still put out a little bit of education, but I mean, I do like more memes. It literally yeah. gets to more people. Like people yeah. go on social media to to be entertained typically. Right. And so doing a little bit more of that. Yeah, no, I find your content bit. very entertaining and I know it does well when you uh, put out those things. So you <laughs> kind of hit on a sweet spot there. So that's really good. Yeah. I want to go back for a second to greens powders because <laughs> I'm sure you get 
messages, DMs, emails that you could tell were written by a bot to ask you to promote things. I get those all the time. So will you, you know, do you want to do a collab? Do you want to partner? And it's usually some of those things. And I've never offered a coupon code on my page and I probably never will. The reason being is exactly what you said is like, most people don't need that stuff. And I also think that it feeds, it's extremely privileged. Like most of these products are expensive. They are just screaming privilege to me, like from every angle. And I think that the more we see them online, the less we remember the basics and the more people are led to believe that this is your ticket to success. Like if you want to be healthy, you got to do these things, the teas, the powders, the shakes, the whatever it may be, which are all essentially either a form of a shortcut, like you said, where someone doesn't, you know, you just pop this pill and it's equivalent to 20 vegetables or it's just completely unnecessary and you probably pee it out. Right. So like, how do you feel about all of that kind of stuff when you see people and maybe people that you do respect and think are credible promoting certain things or how can someone tell? Because sometimes, you know, I see a lot of people who promote things that I know for a fact they have not tried themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things is number one, if someone's doing more educational content, when they do promote stuff, typically they're going to be like, Hey, you know, there's this collagen supplement, for example, it doesn't have all of the magic benefits that you may have heard, but this is some of the research that does back it up. And like, for example, I have a collagen podcast and I mean, I don't promote any specific supplement, but at the end I have like, you can go to this, you know, site to to purchase it. And in that way, when people are honest, I think it's okay because there truly is uses for certain things like a collagen supplement or a greens powder. If someone can't digest vegetables well and they want to get some of those nutrients in, which does occur in some, you know, rare cases, and it there makes are, sense with the content, right? There so are it, places, yeah. 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 So I always say like a supplement, most of them, like if you hear this supplement has benefits, it probably does, but it has benefits when it's used in the right dose with the right person under the right context. And most of the time, that's not you right now. <laughs> like and when right. you hear about a supplement and someone says, hey, everyone needs to take this red flag. Like there should be, this may be helpful for these individuals. And then there are other people who should avoid this. And that should be the case with every supplement. If supplements were required to market like a drug company, they would have the same fast talking at the end of every single ad as the drugs would. And a lot of people don't understand this. People just think, oh, supplements, it's it's natural. It's, It's perfectly fine. There are contraindications to everything. I met someone who was taking recently, just heard that high dose vitamin D was good and was taking 40,000 IUs a day. And luckily, wow, I, I told her not to because her vitamin D level was over 150. But that happens and that could have led to serious damage for this individual. And that happens to quite a few people. And that's one of the reasons that I'm I don't talk about supplements like on my page at all. 
sometimes I'll bring them up in, in the podcast, but I don't, I want really want to heavily encourage people to focus on other things first because people get too supplement happy of thinking this greens powder is going to change their life and it's not. Yeah. It's it's going to change your life as much as a serving of broccoli would have. So yeah. Yeah. Have- so there are usually like 10 steps you could take before, but I, I agree with you. If it makes sense and if it's something that's really going to supplement your already balanced and good diet and you're already doing all the things, I don't see harm in that. But I guess it's the quick fix mentalities like that Band-Aid. And that's where I think a lot of people get misled. Yeah. And statistically, this is the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is statistically speaking, the average adult in the U.S. is consuming like one serving of vegetables per day, less than one serving of fruit, like is exercising like five minutes on average per day. Like there's so many habits that have so much room for benefit for the average person. For most people, like I I don't work with anyone who I'm like, oh, we need to work on sleep a little bit better or, you know, you could move more throughout the day. There's so many just simple habits that people are missing because when you get information on social media, it's that stuff doesn't sell. (laughs) Like talking about walking, talking about lifting weights regularly, talking about drinking water. That stuff isn't as exciting as you have a parasite in your gut that's, you know, damaging your health. Fear mongering, yeah. Crazy claim like that. Or there's hidden ingredients in your food that are the reason that your metabolism is broken. And, you know, this stuff sounds, oh, oh, it's not my fault. It's this other thing that's happening. But the reality is we have to take a look at our our lifestyle. We have to take an inventory of the things that we're doing on a day in and day out basis. And for most people, if you do that, you'll see that maybe you're snacking throughout most of the morning and only having one good meal per day. You know, maybe you're not drinking any water and only drinking coffee until 3 p.m. You know, there's there's usually very simple explanations to where someone could benefit in in simple habits that people can do. And it, it's not all of the stuff that we come across online. Yeah, and, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah. And that's the challenges because people go online looking for health information. So if you're saying, okay, I'm looking for healthy lifestyle habits to improve my PCOS, you're probably going to get a couple of sites that are going to tell you some crazy things. And then you're going to start getting advertisements on Instagram and people on Instagram who relate to those keywords as well. And it's going to be the people who were selling the things that use the fear mongering to get to that place in the first place. Yeah. There's a lot of that in the PCOS world. And I think really having a chronic health condition is really challenging because you're just so vulnerable to so much, you know, misinformation and everyone's an expert. And that, you know, not only including people on social media and online in general, but I think friends and family, right? So everyone has, you know, read Women's Health Magazine and now they're an expert or they heard or they've seen or they know someone who's done keto or whatever it may be. And 
I think women with PCOS in general tend to get a lot of unsolicited advice Mm -hmm. around nutrition that oftentimes really sets them off for failure because not only are these things extremely hard to do, and usually when doctors recommend certain things and from what I've heard from clients, these are not things that most people can stick with long-term. But also mentally, it's really hard because you're constantly failing. You're constantly feeling defeated. So I think going on social media should come with a lot of caveats. And I think when someone does go on social media, they should really have their guards up. Really, like I think, do you agree with that? Do you think someone should go on social media in a certain frame of mind? I think your guards should be up anytime you hear information about nutrition social media or not, if it's your cousin, your brother, even your doctor, unfortunately, I would, okay, what is this person's qualification? Like, are they someone that I should be taking advice from on this topic? Your coworker has been on a diet for 20 years and has been doing different diets and they just found, you know, this new diet that helped them. Is that the right source of information? I think the biggest thing for most people, truly the biggest, like, thing that can help most people is reducing the number of inputs on this topic, like completely having a couple of credible sources and just do not listen to anything else. Because if you don't, you're going to keep getting exposed to stuff. And this is where like, this is like the biggest benefit I think a lot of clients get from working with the practitioners. You're just following their advice and tuning out the other stuff if you're, you know, have a good relationship. Yeah. And then you actually see, oh, wow, when I put these simpler habits into place, I actually do see benefit over time. But a lot of people don't don't do it for long enough because two weeks and you your whole life didn't change after two weeks. So you're like, oh, well, this detox says they will change my life in 14 days. Like, wow. You know, I'm, I'm not going to stick with these things. I would have been healed already, you know, quote yeah. unquote healed. Sometimes, you know, that can be a challenge, but you really have to weed out any source that isn't incredibly trustworthy in the area that you're trying to learn about when it comes to nutrition. I get so many messages in my social media. Is this true? Is this true? And it's posts from other people And it's never someone who's like, has a background in nutrition. It's never a registered dietitian, you know, or, or someone who's, you know, upper level degree in nutrition. It's a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, uh, just a regular health coach or someone who has a functional nutrition certification. And that's the issue is we're taking advice about nutrition from a lot of people who aren't they're not qualified to be giving advice on this topic. It's like if you were going to fix your car, you're not going to ask your plumber for advice. You're not going to ask your neighbor. You're going to you're going to go to a mechanic. Right. And most people aren't going to professionals when it comes to nutrition because this has historically been such an like professionals are typically working in the field and working with clients and not communicating online and Right. The public is getting information online. And so they're seeing these other individuals who most of them never worked with people. Like they didn't study nutrition, nor did they ever actually do any nutrition like 
counsel, like there's many people with best-selling, you know, quote unquote, New York Times best-selling nutrition books who never practiced whatsoever in this space with people. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> like that's, that's it's like, scary, really. It's scary. Yeah. Because and, if you've never worked with a real life person, you have no business giving out advice, especially for someone with a chronic condition that you know absolutely nothing about. And the more specific the recommendations are, generally, the less the person is qualified to give them because they're really just doing it from their own anecdotal experience or their own personal journey, which is valuable, right? Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's coming onto social media with some guards up is probably a really good idea. Yeah, a couple of sources and just tune the rest out. I tell my audience all the time because I mean, I get it's an influx and I see it too because when I when I post something like this, like, hey, please unfollow all of the sources that you're not 100% confident in. Like, I'll get less of this for a while, but then I get new followers and then I'll start getting a bunch of new posts of like, can you tell me if this is true? Can you tell me? And and it's impossible. Like it's impossible to weed out all of that information. There's just so many people and they're all making different claims. You know, one saying yes. you got to go vegan and one saying you got to go keto and the other one saying you got to go carnivore and it'll drive you crazy. When you work with clients, are there things that you see or myths or misconceptions that you see stick the most? Like what are some of the things that people come to you with and you're like, no, 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 we absolutely have to unlearn this and, you know, they they kind of are shocked to learn that it's not true. <laughs> so a long time ago, I got a lot of that, but now I don't so much anymore because of the messaging that I put out on social media now, because that's how a lot of my clients find me is through social media. So now I don't. Before it was a lot of the functional medicine stuff, like a lot of the food sensitivity testing and stool Mm -hmm. testing and things like that, that people would say, oh, well, I I need a sensitivity test or I need, you know, I think I need a stool test or, and I I would have to explain to them why. Why we actually don't need that at all. Yeah, why those (laughs) things don't, yeah, why the, and when people have, let's say, for example, they had a good relationship with a naturopath or like it was someone they saw for a long time, me having to explain why some of the stuff they did was completely inappropriate in many cases that was always challenging because i had one client that she had she loved her naturopath and they were a great relationship and she just had her on 22 different supplements and it was so unnecessary and that took a long time to get her to say okay i'll, I'll start going off of these because she just trusted her naturopath right. so much. Some of that stuff that just like, I mean, some of these alternative practices, they spend more time with you. Like it, yes. it, it feels like you're getting better care than an MD. And, and sometimes you are like, sometimes if you see a good naturopath who's well-versed in nutrition science and is not supplement happy and they're mm-hmm. not going to do bogus testing, they might be a good practitioner, but oftentimes a lot of these alternative health practitioners are just preying on people with chronic health issues and oftentimes doing a lot of the same stuff. They're yeah. giving out the same protocols to almost everyone. And it's usually extremely supplement heavy, extremely restrictive diets, lots of testing. And 
some people feel better, but in, I mean, a lot of the people that I've worked with have been people who have seen those practitioners and just not done well with it. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people who feel better and they actually feel better, not for the reason that they think. So it's not really that you feel better. You may feel better, but it's not because of the supplement or specifically in my population with PCOS. Sometimes when people go gluten-free, which is absolutely not indicated for PCOS, they feel less bloated. And that's not really because of the gluten. That's for other reasons. That could be that they're eating less carbohydrates that are fermentable, but it has nothing to do with the gluten. And you know, we tend to attribute, it's like when you get food poisoning, you attribute it to the last thing you ate, which is usually not. And so it's kind of like drawing the connection between what you're doing and the result is oftentimes not linear. It's not necessarily what you think or what that provider has told you. And it's really hard to figure it out on your own. So just some food for thought. on Yeah. That. And, and one of the things, a lot of them do too much at one time. And right. that's where some people feel better in the first 90 days, typically. And that's all, that's what they're trying to do is get like, you feel better yeah. quickly, as opposed to you figuring out what's like helping you figure out what's going to be best for you over time. Because doing six supplements and taking away five different foods and all at one time, then if you feel better, you don't know what worked. Yeah. And the purpose is to find out what works for you because that's going to be different for everyone. And you have to take a more systematic process to it because people come to me and they're on an extremely restrictive diet on 15 plus supplements and they feel a little bit better than before, but they don't know what to do because this is unsustainable and they're miserable, you know, kind of following that approach. Yeah. I'd love to know a little bit about if someone wants to start changing their lifestyle and they want to do it really simply, they don't want to make big changes. They just want to do a few little things. Are there some like universal truths or things that you think this will always work for anyone in any situation? These are the basics. Like, give me some of your thoughts about that. Yeah. So for most people, I would say like getting onto a a pattern of eating, whether that be, you know, three meals and a snack or two meals and two snacks or or whatever that works for your schedule, but getting onto some type of pattern, I think is important because a lot of people are just randomly eating meals and don't really have a good schedule there. Mm-hmm. So you mean like keeping the timing of the meals consistent, the spacing, Somewhat consistent. Not going to it a, doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, Regimented. 8 a.m. every yeah, day, yeah. but if it's between 8 and 10 and you're having that first meal and then the next meal, ideally kind of going on to a pattern like that and having three actual meals because a lot of people aren't having actual meals. They're snacking yes. through like lunch or snacking through breakfast and and just hungry most of the day as a result of that. And then when you're eating actual meals, then you can focus on the composition of those meals. So making sure that you're having some protein, some vegetables in those meals is typically going to be most important to making sure that you're having a balanced meal. It's good for your blood sugar. It's going to be filling. It's going to provide fiber and amino acids like we need throughout the day. So, you know, just kind of making that a priority in in the meals. So if you're having three meals, you're prioritizing protein and some vegetables in each meal. I don't care what else is in there. (laughs) You know, if you have, (laughs) if you're doing that, that's going to be a big step for most people 
in terms of just getting into a better routine and then having more just filling meals that's going to prevent a lot of the snacking because what where a lot of people go wrong in terms of nutrition is just snacking on chips and you know other things that don't provide much value in terms of protein no vegetables no fruits none of that so focusing there starting with that you know having some type of snack whatever you want if you do have snacks as a part of that making sure you're drinking enough water this doesn't apply to everyone but there is a percentage of the population who is not drinking any at all that's tw- like 24% of the population drinks zero water per day yeah so that percentage of people you know getting the water consumption up the standard recommendation is like half of your body weight in ounces but if you're not drinking any like go to 16 or 32 ounces like increase yeah. from where you're at but that is going to be really important for a lot of people. Like when I meet someone who's drinking no water and I, I always tell them like, I promise you, like if your energy level is going to improve, like if you just, just drink water, yeah, like you're going to feel better, more mental clarity, more energy because your body's trying to run off of like your blood's just not hydrated and it's trying to transport things throughout your body without, without that extra hydration that it needs. So that's, incredibly important really that would start there that's plenty yeah <laughs> i think are, that that should get those someone are on really a good simple path. that would take people pretty far and then just movement like mm. exercise and movement is is so important and a lot of people are intimidated by it because when you hear exercise you think you got to be running or lifting weights or whatever but it's just spending less time doing nothing. And I know mm-hmm. for some people with work and things like that, that can be hard. But, you know, during leisure time and other times, like create an active lifestyle that's like just as important as exercising is like moving around instead of going to the movies on the weekend as a hobby with your family, go to the zoo. Like, you know, just switching these inactive behaviors for more active behaviors and creating a lifestyle around that is incredibly helpful, can increase energy expenditure, help with weight management, reduce cardiovascular disease risk, you know, increase insulin sensitivity. And it's just, it doesn't require, you know, that higher barrier entry that comes with like exercise training. Exercise training is is amazing as well. And I highly recommend that. But the just focusing on walking and getting any type of movement as a baseline, I think is really, really important for a lot of people and not that large percentage of the population is currently exercising. And I know that a lot of people have barriers to getting started with that, but just moving more is, is pretty simple and can go a long way. Yeah. I have a group right now in my program and we do these monthly boosts. So every month we focus on a specific aspect. And this month in March, we're doing a movement challenge. And for a lot of the women, yeah, motivation, time, schedules, a lot of barriers. And one of the things that we figured out and we're working on is just do whatever it is that you're doing in your day but weave in the movement into that. And that can even mean, like you said, less sedentary time, like less sitting. I'm good with that. Let's just start there. And the women are finding so many creative things that they're doing that they never thought of. They never did just because they didn't think about it, not because it was hard to do. So things like chores and someone went on a walk with her neighbor. She's like, I never talked to this lady. I went on a walk with my neighbor. Someone said, I 
<laughs> this is so, this was so funny. She said, on my commute to work, I squeezed my butt cheeks on and off in my car. Like literally that was her thing for the day. I was like, I love it. That's great. Whatever it is, like when you're thinking about it, you're going to find a way. You're going to find a way. You're going to find the places in your day where you can move a little more or do something that activates your muscles. And that's good enough. Yep. That's a great place to start. Yeah. And there's so many simple things, like you said, like I had a client that was ordering groceries and I was like, just go buy them. <laughs> like, just go walk around the store. I don't like going to the grocery store either, but right. you're working that's, from yeah. home, you're inside, you'll get, especially the way the grocery stores are built in Texas, like you'll get <laughs> thousands, a, a couple thousand yeah. steps. Yeah. Just <laughs> going around the grocery store. But those simple things and building it in with your family and building it into your life in ways that are that that doesn't require, you know, driving and going to a gym. Everyone kind of associates that with movement and exercise and, and we have to get away from that because, you know, the healthiest, you know, when we look at like the healthiest older adults, most of them weren't exercising really hard their whole lives. They were just most of the time more active. Yeah. Um, well, jobs were less sedentary. Like yep. li the whole lifestyle was less sedentary. Less sedentary. Yeah. yeah. We we have to, technology has made our lives so easy that we have to like force ourselves to do stuff. It's um, email. It's all about, it's all because of, of email. Yeah. It's <laughs> of movement, but like gardening and yard work and, and things like that, that maybe if you were paying someone for yard work, but you're like, oh, you know, I can get two hours of movement in on the weekends and instead of sitting inside while someone's mowing the lawn outside, you know, <laughs> that those simple things can, they just make a difference. People do not realize it. And when it, when you show like the, and I hate doing this because, you know, I don't like to focus on like calories, but when you show the average energy expenditure, calories burned through these lifestyle activities, it's more than like a hard exercise. So like yeah. the amount of energy that you expend doing, you know, yard work all day and in, in outside is is more than if you went and and went to the gym and got a really hard exercise in. And yeah, a lot of people up. don't realize yeah. that it makes a it makes a big difference in terms of health. Yeah. I'm curious to know if there were any things nutrition wise or exercise wise over the years that you've changed your mind on. You had one stance and then you're like, you know what? I don't think like this anymore. I see new research or something that made you change your mind. Oh, so many. Really? I mean, well, yeah, from from the beginning, because I actually just did a podcast on this. But when I got into this field, so I was getting my master's degree in exercise science and I was taking nutrition classes, but that was like a minor of mine. And I had like some health issues myself and I started reading a bunch of books and all these alternative health books. So like, I was confused. Like, I had all these beliefs of I couldn't, you know, eat non-organic food. And I was vegan for a while because I read a few books in that area. I've had many, many beliefs <laughs> from that because I read so many, so many books thinking that I was learning. You know, and that's why I'm so for like, that's what kind of frustrates me now. And like, I speak out about it is like, you think because something's like a New York Times bestselling book that it's going to be good information. But the reality is it got up there because it's sensational. Right. And that's how it sold so many copies because of the sensation. But I read a bunch of books and I was vegan for a little bit. And 
I thought that I had to be vegan. You know, I read a couple of books and I was like, oh my God, animal foods are going to cause cancer. And I did not feel well after like, you know, a few months I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat enough because I'm six foot one and very active. So a whole foods plant-based diet was pretty much impossible for me to like fully eat enough to to get my my needs in right and so but that was right when I like had applied for and started my PhD so I I had all these just false beliefs and being exposed to the research and being around other you know researchers and helped me to to kind of break through all of those but yeah I mean and then learning how to really like evaluate the science then I would read a book and be like, oh my God, this is like misleading and misrepresenting research. And I'm the obsessive type. So when I first got into like nutrition, I I read at least 75 books over a couple of years. And yeah, they were just, they were, I mean, I had all sorts of random, you know, little beliefs that I had developed from these different books, you know? Yeah. It took some time to read science and th- and realize like, okay, that's not true. <laughs> like right. I was scared of artificial sweeteners for a while, you know, things like that. Yeah. So you can see how people get confused by this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a, <laughs> I was getting a master's degree in exercise science, but, and I had read a little bit of research, but I wasn't familiar with like the body of science and nutrition. Right. And I wanted to learn about it. So I just, I thought books were the way, you know, the, it's sad that that like if you care about this topic and you go to try to learn about it, so much of what you're exposed to is going to be just not accurate. And right. yeah, exactly. I went through that myself and and luckily I was I had decided to pursue education in the field. Otherwise, I don't know, I would have just kept believing that stuff. I'd love to know what your diet is like now. Tell us a little bit of what you're eating these days. It's pretty balanced overall. I mean, I eat mostly plant-based because my son's vegetarian. So I eat more meat when he's gone, but (laughs) mostly plant-based because of him. Have a smoothie pretty much every day. It's like my favorite breakfast. I've been doing that for like over a decade. Just, I enjoy it. That's what my son has. I can't, I can't even talk him into having anything else. He has a smoothie bowl every day. He asks for it after school half the time too. And I have to like, try to get him to have something else <laughs> he enjoys it so much kind of do that but i i pay attention to i know what my energy needs are i know what my protein needs are and i kind of try to hit those while just eating stuff that i enjoy for the most part and it's not like when i say i enjoy it it's not like i'm eating you know french fries and a burger like i'll make that at home with right. a whole wheat bun and potatoes that I baked in the oven or I'll make spaghetti with you know a lean turkey or sometimes I use just protein pasta and some tofu crumbles that my son you know likes and and then I'll put a bunch of veggies in there and tomato sauce and herbs and spices and so I just I eat what a normal person eats I just modify it at home to include plenty of protein plenty of vegetables plenty of fiber And that's kind of, you know, how I approach it. And for me, I eat three meals per day and I need like 3000 calories per day to like maintain my weight. 
So I eat really large meals, like for the most part, and then have like a pretty big snack. Yeah. And and so that's what I do. I don't share it that often on social media because I know that I someone just will have more. an opinion on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I <laughs> I eat more than a lot of people, and some people will say, "Oh, your metabolism is faster," but it's it's just my height and my activity level. Like it's yeah, it's nothing too far out of the ordinary. I'm six foot one, and I'm. 210 pounds and active and but I, I know that sometimes that stuff gets misconstrued online in terms of everyone tries to compare themselves or tries to eat like you because you eat this way and I always try to like when I do share things I'm like I eat this way for a variety of my own reasons like right everyone's needs are different you know the the foundations that I kind of talked about making sure that you're eating enough fiber fruits and vegetables making sure that you're getting enough protein these are the things that matter and these those are really the things that I focus on mm-hmm. and just doing so in a way that's sustainable for me because I've eaten you know healthy pretty much my whole adult life like since I was 18 years old, I started eating like a bodybuilder type diet where I was eating 250 grams of protein and stuff like that. And then, then I started focusing on more health stuff, but I've just taken time over the years to figure out what works for me and have done a lot of unnecessary things over the years as well. (laughs) But that's kind of what I try to preach is just these principles pretty much apply across the board in terms of nourishing your body properly. And, and so if you focus on the principles and build out a nutrition pattern that, that works for you based on your own preferences, your cultural preferences and things like, cause everyone, you know, has a different way of eating. And it's really unfortunate that people think, Oh, I have to, you know, eat like this person to be healthy. You, you have to figure out, you know, how to make the things that you enjoy work for your needs. And, and mm-hmm. there's a way to do that for everyone. Yeah. I mean, when you think about all these what I eat in a day videos that we see online, that's where a lot of people try to emulate. That's what a lot of people try to strive for. They don't really know that this person is 5'1 and 100 pounds and has no issues whatsoever with their health. Like, it's really hard to understand. Is this something I should buy into, follow, emulate? Like, I I could totally see why those things are harmful and confusing and oftentimes it's going to be someone's perfect day mm-hmm. and they're yes. never going to show the day that they you know had pizza and chips and whatever and they were drinking yeah. it's it's going to be their their perfect day and then people think like oh that's that's how i have to eat to be healthy and it just it doesn't right. work that way and that's where i, I think the general public you know is struggling to figure this out or be exposed to the right information here but it's it's really like we have to focus on these print like principles of what is appropriate for you so like the amount of energy that you're eating every day protein fiber you know when you understand how those things apply to you and learn how to build a diet that meets those principles like that's what <laughs> we all need exactly. we don't we don't yeah. need to follow a keto or whatever type diet we need to find that diet that meets our needs that just works for us 
Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So I want to wrap up. And if our listeners want to find out more about you or see all the funny memes that you share online, where can they do that? So Instagram is the main place that I'm active. It's at dr. Dr. Period Adrian Period Chavez. And that's the main place that I'm active. I also have a podcast called the Nutrition Science Podcast. I talk about some of these topics, but also go into depth on the science of various topics. So like, for example, I have an episode on collagen where, you know, I just go over all the research. So it's a really, you know, in-depth science podcast on various topics. And I think it's really helpful for a lot of people to kind of hear what that science sounds like and how, how we interpret it in a way that's not black and white and extreme and to help you make kind of decisions about your health. Okay, great. And I'll link to your Instagram and podcast in the show notes as well. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much for being here. This was great. Yeah, thank you for having me.